Welcome to the Chi Alpha at UNC Chapel Hill podcast. This podcast is designed to help you grow through our three foundations, devoted disciples, deep friendships, and deliberate servants. We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Really thrilled that you guys have made it out. We're kicking off a new series, a mini-series, okay, this week on Lordship of all things. And that's not something that we talk about much anymore, right? We don't talk about things in terms of Lord, Lordship. It's really kind of a strange dynamic to talk about, but it's actually pretty fundamental to what it means to be a disciple of Christ and follow Christ at the same time. Next week, International Student Director David Lau is going to be talking about personal lordship. So we're going to, I'm going to talk about tonight what is lordship, and then next week David's going to talk about personal lordship. What does that really mean, right, in your day-to-day uh, kind of journey as you follow Jesus? If you don't yet follow the podcast, I want to encourage you to do that. All these will be up on the podcast. There's now north of 40 or so podcasts up. You can find UNC Chi Alpha on Spotify and iTunes. You can also go to the website at xa-unc.com, click on podcasts, and you, though, all of them are archived there. Easy peasy, you can find them. Also, if you go to the website, of course, you can find out all kinds of information about Chi Alpha in terms of who we are and why we exist as well. I'm going to start us off tonight with, with an unusual quote for this topic, okay? One of the most famous songwriters in, in American history, anyway, is Bob Dylan. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Bob Dylan's music, But in 1979, he wrote an album called Slow Train Coming, or he created an album called Slow Train Coming. In particular, there was a song called Gotta Serve Somebody. And the lyrics go something like this. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Interesting, this was after his conversion to Christianity that he wrote this particular album. But what I want you to hold on to there is that idea, that thought of you got to serve somebody. Just kind of anchor it over the next few minutes, all right? And we'll come back around to it and fill it back in and see how it connects up. But I want you to hold on to that idea that as we live, we have to serve somebody. Now, when you think of lordship and you go into the Bible, you find all kinds of names pretty quick for Jesus, right? They call him the Son of God, the Son of Man. We even sang tonight about the Lamb of God, the Savior, the Redeemer, Christ, just to name a few names. But you also come across that name, Lord. And if you've ever looked at that in different English translations, you see that Lord actually shows up in about three different spellings. You see Lord as all lowercase, right? Just L-O-R-D, all lowercase. And that usually referenced like it's a, it's a symbol of respect. Like I would say sir or ma'am or something like that to someone to show them respect. Then you also see Lord written with capital L in there, L-O-R-D, that way. And what that in, was, was it was a title or a position of somebody. So you might call a king, for that matter, Lord, right? When you see it with capital L. And then the third one you see written in the scriptures is Lord, all caps, all caps, L-O-R-D, all in caps. What does that mean? That's actually an English translation of an ancient Hebrew name for God himself. So when you see Lord, all caps, it's actually the name of God just translated into English as Lord, and they capitalize it so you get that significance. Now in Acts chapter 2, the disciples are all gathered around at Pentecost 50 days after the Passover, 
And um, Jesus has risen from the dead. They're out preaching the gospel. They've got a big crowd around. And Peter preaches this. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, generally speaking, a Lord is someone with authority, right? Control or power over others. To say that someone is Lord is to consider that person a master or ruler of some kind, right? Now, Peter's also saying, taking a step further here and announcing to everybody here in Acts 2, Jesus is Lord, yes, in the sense that we think of kings in this earth, but he's also announcing that Jesus is God himself. And so he's announcing the deity of Jesus. So what it means is Jesus doesn't just rule like a man would rule. It means he, as being God, he also has authority to rule over earth and everything in it. So he has lordship over the earth. In case you were wondering if that's actually the case, Matthew chapter 28 captures this, Jesus talking, where he says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So that's a direct quote. Now, it wasn't just given to Jesus for a moment in time, right? He wasn't given lordship over the earth just for that time that he was with us. And just those people alone. How do we know this? John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, he echoes all the way back to pre-creation, before Adam and Eve even, and we read this. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, right? It's a name. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, or mankind if you like. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so we see the extension of God's lordship, of Jesus' lordship, and rule and authority goes back before time. So it's always been there, will always be there. It's not just for a specific time and a specific people. Now going back to what Peter says in there, there's a big link word in there called and. He calls Jesus Lord and Christ. And that's important. Why? Because if Jesus is just Christ, let's say, the Savior, right? The emancipator of the Israelite people. If He's just Savior, we might stop in our relationship with Him at just salvation. If that's all He is, right? He saved me from my sins, which He did. But if I just stop there, it's like I just got to get out of jail free card from the Monopoly game, right? And that's the extent of my relationship with Him. But accepting Jesus as Lord means recognizing consenting to, and obeying His authority over our lives. Now, we're going to get to that wrestling in just a moment, and David, I'm sure, is probably going to wrestle with it next week. After all, it was God through Jesus that mankind was created and sustained, and it was Jesus who searched out and laid down His life for us that we might be forgiven and reconciled back to Him. So what does this mean, this and? Jesus is Lord and Christ. Well, first of all, Acts 2, He is God. Secondly, all things, including human beings, were made through Him, John 1. Thirdly, He possesses all authority in heaven and on earth, okay, Matthew 28. And fourthly, from Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, He has the power over death, having died and been resurrected and now offers eternal life to you and me. I think I might be willing to make that person Lord of my life, probably. But we all know that that's not how the history of us has gone on the planet. From the Garden of Eden all the way through until now, we wrestle with this idea of God being in charge of us. 
So it begs the question, who is in charge? Is it God or is it us? Because we have set ourselves up against Him. A little help from the enemy of our souls. When you get to Genesis chapter 3, you read the famous line, For God knows, this is Satan talking, that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Talking about the forbidden fruit of the tree. Knowing good and evil. And then Isaiah echoes the intent of the enemy of our soul again in Isaiah 14, 14. says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like the Most High. Satan has set himself up against God's lordship and rebelled against him. And you and I have been wrestling with that ever since it entered the world through Adam and Eve. And I dare say we do it month to month, day to day sometimes ourselves. This attitude, this heart that says, I am like God. Now listen, this word like is not just similar to in some way, right? That's not what it means here in this context. What it means is what Satan himself is saying, if you rebel against God, if you take for owner, for lordship yourself that title, you will be equal to Him, determining what is right and wrong, determining what is good and evil in the world. You will be equal to Him. And we all know, well, if we're equal to God, then what? We don't need Him. We don't need Him. Because in that moment, you become your own God. You become Lord of your own life with God not included. Now, sometimes what we've done over time is, set, is find a little bit of a compromise in that process, that Lord and Christ element, meaning we accept the Christ part. I'm saved by grace and forgiven of my sins, right? And I'm right before God. But then we kind of figure, but, you know, in practice, I'm going to kind of do my own thing. And living my life, I'm going to kind of just, I'm not really going to follow that scripture thing, that example thing. I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. And we compromise, potentially setting ourselves up against God. Jesus actually addresses this and is captured in Luke 6, where he says they're following him around, they're calling him Lord, but they're not living in that fashion to match what they're saying. So Luke 6.46 says, this is Jesus speaking, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Why do you profess me to be your king in essence, but then disregard the direction that I give you? So what does the Lordship of Jesus Christ mean? It means that we recognize Him for who He is and give Him the honor that He's due. He's earned it. He's worthy of it. It means we obey Him. Man, that's tough. And His teachings, His example, His character, His nature. That's hard. Because in the West, and in particular as Americans, we don't much like to be told what to do. We can be pretty prideful in that area. Right? We don't. We're autonomous. We're full of freedom and individuality, and we get to set our own course, right? Pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, all of that, and we despise being told what to do. And so we push back against it. But Dylan's song kind of echoes through all this process, coming back around to who are you going to serve? Calling Jesus Lord is appropriate. It's a good it's a starting point, though. For Him to be Lord of our lives is only true when we daily choose to let Him reign in our lives. Otherwise, it's not really a lordship that's going on there. It's hard, though, isn't it, to trust anyone in this world to be over you in authority, whether that's a 
that's a professor, a job, a family member, a governmental leader. You can just climb the ladder, whatever you want to, whatever category you want to put it. It's hard to trust people. Why? Because human beings stink at being lords of themselves, let alone other people. That's just the truth. We're inconsistent at it. Sometimes we do it well. Okay. Sometimes we do terrible at it. But God's not that way. Not only does He challenge us to, to follow His lead and let Him be Lord of our lives, John 14 tells us He gives us His Holy Spirit to help us along the way, to enable us, to encourage us, to counsel us, to direct us, to enlighten us, to open our hearts and minds to things that we need to understand and know. And along the way, too, you find that God is truly trustworthy and faithful. Between giving us His Spirit and His example and His direction and letting Him be Lord of our lives, He promises through Galatians 5.22 where it's written these things. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Man, what a life would that be if that was the fruit of our life. But because we often take lordship for ourselves, we wrestle and struggle with the consistency of that showing up in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Here's what I, wanna, I want you to get. I recognize and I choose God as Lord of my life because He is God. Because He is good. Right? He's my Creator, my Redeemer, and He has my best. He has your best interest at heart. That can't always be said about people. But it can always be said about God. He loves us. He is faithful, trustworthy, and just. He is Lord because He gave and gives His life to us and doesn't lord his position over top of us, but instead calls us to himself. Now we're going to wrap up here and then in just a second, but I want to do this passage out of Philippians first. It really puts it into focus for us. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, Jesus didn't hold his title and position and privilege as something to dominate and control human beings. But he emptied himself instead. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I can choose to let God be Lord over my life because though he has every right to claim the throne of my life, right, your life, to just take it if he wanted to, he did not act as an abuser of his title or position. That's not how he operates. Instead, he humbly gave his life for me and you that all might go well, that you and I might thrive and have life abundantly. That's a very different use of power and authority. And remember, he has it over all things since for all times and all people. This is the kind of Lord that you can trust and you can follow.
hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at www.xa-unc.com.